Hello, Swaggins. Hello, Swagalicious. All right, so we call each other Swaggins. Let's talk about this for a bit and then let's transition into the conversation that we are about to have about millennials and the Y generation and the Z generation. So, Anli and I go way, 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 way back in Wisconsin and in Parks. So, so I tell everyone I'm from Wisconsin, but anyway, that's a story for another day. So, Anli, would you like to share why we call each other Swaggins? Um, so we were, oh, this was years ago. I just remember seeing a meme and we have another friend, Quincy, who is also a Swaggins. And I remember seeing like a meme and it was like, Lord of, Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the bling. And then they called it like, instead of Frodo Baggins, they called him Yolo Swaggins. So it was like a cultural thing. Cause it was funny to say at the time and so now we've just said it for years and years like we've been calling each other swaggins i think for like five or six years right so it's been forever <laughs> it's just stuck and like you know whenever like i message quincy or you know message you uh quincy will just reply swaggins or you know or we'll like start a text message like swaggins i need to tell you and i'll be like what? mila swaggins king mila swaggins <laughs> right <laughs> Right. So, yeah, it is a culture that we formulate uh, uh, to, it, it represents um, kinship, it represents closeness, it represents support. It also represents a culture of evolution because our friendship has evolved tremendously. And talking about friendship evolving tremendously and Let's talk a little bit about our age as well, because we have got a huge age gap as well, right? <laughs> Hello, a slight one. No, and it's really interesting to think about how, you know, when you're like taught about what friendship is, you always like see like, oh, I have friends my age. And I remember like my mom would tell me like, it's important to have friends of like all ages. Cause my mom would be like, you know, I know at the time she was like 35 and she's like, you know, I have friends that are like 55 or when I like started, like when I, she like was in accounting and she's like, so when I was, you know, starting out, I had, you know, friends that were like, you know, 45 and, you know, had older kids. And she was like, so it was always really interesting, but it was nice to have them like share their lives and like right. be able to right. hear those things. So it's interesting. And then like, I know, cause I'm like, wow, just the wisdom, you know, why swaggins? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, just like you as well, my parents have always told me to have friends of different ages, right? Because they, they have always drilled this into me saying that they come from different walks of life and it's important to have different age groups from different countries, from different lifestyles, from different walks of life because the art experience is very different from mine. Uh, so it's always a learning journey for me. And of course, someone who's 70, they were born with different resources, right? Mm -hmm. that, as opposed to the resources that we have or you were born into. So it yeah. kind of shapes our thinking, it shapes our, our behavior. So Anneli is from the millennial, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm the Zaniel, and then uh, our other swaggins, Quincy, is also a millennial. Yep. So a lot of people find out how old I am, and I tell them I'm 41, going to be 42. And they're like, oh, you're friends with 20-something-year-olds. And my response is, why not? Because I'm constantly learning from them. You go into the workforce, 
it translates really well as well. I mean, even in your family, your parents are older than you. Your parents are not your same age. <laughs> no, right? that's what I think about too. Because I remember when one of my like good friends that when I lived in Arkansas, and we're still like really good friends to this day. Actually, I have two like really good friends from Arkansas. And like one is older than me. And so I kind of see her as like a big sister type of way. And then I, I have another friend. She's like a couple years younger than me. And I remember being like, ooh, like pausing for a second being like, yeah, she is younger than me. And I'm like, I always forget that you're like younger than me. And I was like, because it's never a big thing, you know? Cause it's like, when you're in like those moments, we're not sitting there like, you know, that friend is like two months and like 30 days younger than me, you know, like, or whatever, 29, like nobody thinks about those things. And it's like mm -hmm. weird that like people place like the markers of age. Okay, you've been on the earth a little bit longer. It's right. whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Uh, now, let's talk a little bit about, <clears throat> you know, the age and the different generations because I feel that, not I feel, I know that it translates really well into the workforce. It translates really well into our social society. In um, Every aspect of life, it translates really well. And especially now in this landscape of workforce, and the landscape of topics about uh, millennials and the Y generation and the Z generation, people often say millennials are entitled or the Y generation or the Z generation are entitled and they are lazy. They do not know what hard work is. But what people are forgetting is that just because they see a certain percentage of people Embodying that behavior does not mean everyone is like that. And they need to understand why people or from the Z generation, the Y generation or the millennials are rejecting work habits or work behavior from 40 years ago, from 20 years ago, right? Because people in this generation have got the resources new resources, new knowledge. They've got the internet to research. They have got exposure, not only to localized information, but they have got information to globalized information. So, but I want to hear from your perspective, you're a millennial and you are in the market. So let's hear about how do you see the workplace from your perspective? Yeah, so that's what, you know, I think about like, first of all, I think like a millennial's general distaste for what the work environment is. I think it's because we've seen like what, first of all, we've been through like one big recession. So I think that like changes your idea of like what money is and we're still like living in the aftermath of, you know, the great recession. But I think so too, like I remember like, cause I've talked about this is when I was like growing up, I remember seeing like, it wasn't unusual for my dad to work, you know, cause he was in business. So it wasn't unusual for him to work like longer than eight hours or like, you know, being like, oh, I have to like work these numbers or like getting phone calls like while at home. And that was like, to me, like I thought that that was like a normal thing. Like I felt like a lot of people did that. I remember like having friends like growing up, like my mom doesn't come to the house. Like, you know, she works in like the finance industry. She didn't like come home until eight o'clock at night. So it was like all of these parents that we had that like worked like extensive hours. And I remember thinking like, 
you know, we, people would have to like arrange carpool. And, you know, a lot of people, I think kind of poo poo on like stay at home moms, but like stay at home moms are literally like how like you like people function, right. Cause it would be the stay at home moms who would help like the working moms, you know, pick up kids and like go carpooling. And I remember thinking like how it was kind of sad to me that like parents wouldn't be able to go to games or like parents wouldn't be able to pick up from practice, like kids up from practice. And I remember like having like a distaste for that, like, kind of immediately because I was like you know it's just really sad that like kids are playing and like they have no one to look up to like you know in the bleachers or like there's no one there afterwards to say like good job there's no parent there because like a parent is working all the time so I remember like thinking to myself like you know jobs like it is important to me like but I don't want like my identity to be shaped around a job and I don't want it to be like the number one thing I want to still be able to enjoy like pleasures in life I still want to think about you know I still want to be able to do things I don't want to be working you know at the office I have some friends that like will be working until 11 o'clock at night and that to me I'm like wow you know I spent a super majority of my day at the office and I think that's where it kind of shift is like growing up and seeing that and then being you know saying kind of to myself like it's just if that's the company culture I would like it like employers to be very transparent with that employees to say that and just so we can be like on the same page you know if that's not anything I want to do and I want to be able to still like curl on weekends I still want to do trivia I don't want to think about you know my job when I'm at home I don't want to be super stressed or like that be a source of like worry and anxiety and I think that's where I'm at and I think a lot of millennials are open about like caring for their emotional needs and I think like that's been to the wayside I think for previous generations and I think you know, I think it's no coincidence that a lot of people are talking about like going to therapy and like what the therapist says, because mm-hmm. they're finally like tending to those emotional needs. And I think that's now starting to like translate into the workplace. You make a really good point about eating anxiety and caring for yourself. And let me just share a little bit of my experience as well, because I fall right at the cusp of being a Zaniel. I was born in 1978. So growing up, I also saw my parents working long hours and I've always had that sense of loss. When I say sense of loss, it refers to lack of love, right? And love translates in so many different levels. Love is just not, oh, let me ha- let me kiss you, let me mm-hmm. uh, spend because there are different mm. types of love languages it's just not limited love languages right it's just seeing someone it is just having my mum or dad being at home most of the time that's that level of presence you know sometimes i spend time with my friends for six hours we will just sit in a room not really communicate not really speak but just the, having someone's presence in a room mm-hmm. whilst they read a book or whilst i write something that is quality time for me as well yeah and it's what I most yearned because my parents were always working and I remember growing up thinking that I didn't want this I I don't want to have this kind of a lifestyle what if you know people worked lesser and why are people working more are people really born to finish school go to work until your health takes a huge hit, right? Your mental heart, your emotional heart. And during the time where my parents were born, right? It's a different generation. They lacked the resources. Automation did not come into place. And now we have automation. And, and I'm really sure 
friends, some of my friends of my age or older than me, they have the mindset of a millennial as well. So, but it all boils down to the resources that they had. When I say resources, resources as in the knowledge of self-care, the knowledge of how do we reduce the time because it was still industrialization era in the 1970s as well. It, not a lot of automation or AI came into place. So people had that mindset or in order to be a hard worker, I need to spend eight to 10 to 12 hours at the work or have two to three jobs. That was a totally different timeline, a totally different time of a work ethic and culture. And culture is usually created, born, expanded, uh, reiterated when more humans adopt that behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, of course, I've had friends who are 55 or 60 or even my age where they rejected those ideologies. And those people who rejected those ideologies were lit or labeled as social pariahs, right? <laughs> they were labeled as, oh, you do not fit into this culture. You're lazy. You're drop hoppers. So, and those labels are, have moved into now to label all those people who are millennials or white generationists or, or Z-gen because labels are imposed by people who are still holding on to that mindset because that is what they were exposed to and a lot of employers need to understand and understanding is the key when I say understand not just understand oh yeah I read this I understand understand from a very granular human level that working eight hours is a day or 40 hours a week is no longer needed busy Work is no longer needed when AI is present, when automation is present. We are promoting diversity in the form of women to go into tech. We are promoting a lot of STEM education. We are promoting our students to go into learning maths, science, and engineering for them to automate a lot of things. Automation is not going to take away jobs from people. It's going to ease people from busy jobs. And that's what Millennials are adopting, millennials are seeing Y gens, are seeing Z gens, are seeing, and we should not be labeling people Y generation is or Z or even the millennials or even the Zennials, Zennials as lazy bums or entitled. Yeah, because I think that, like, also is like when you say that people are lazy, it's because like the metrics you're using are archaic you know, metrics. So it's like, if the workplace has changed, it's evolving, you know, if the, like, you can't use the same metrics for like an evolving system. So, you know, your like variables have to change, like your conceptualization of what hard work is like has to change at the same time. So you can't stay stagnant and you can't assume that even in the midst of change, like hard work looks exactly the same. You know, cause I know plenty of millennials who are working really hard. I have you know, several friends that, you know, are busting their butt, working more than 40 hours a week, like doing, you know, hard work, you know, if it's like consulting or it's working in like the medical profession, like these are inherently like hard professions and, you know, they're very time consuming. And so I think to just kind of minimize is like super reductive and it's not good. Right. And the workplace, we have to really 
empathize. When kindness, show kindness, right? Kindness is not about I understand, uh, not about oh, all right, I'll give you one day off, take a mental day. Um, burnout is a real thing when the work that you're doing does not align with your purpose, does not align with your interests. It does not give good ROIs, and I'm referring to ROIs in the matter of human equity, not in the matter of business equity, because when you focus on human equity, business equity will come along naturally. And, and right now, I, I just want to make a point. There's no need to work 40 hours a week when automation is present. You need to hire people who solve. You need to have, hire, uh, have people who will solve challenges and roadblocks as opposed to hiring people where, where you feel that, oh, they're great on a resume where they have 15 years of experience or eight years of experience. Experience is great, right? 15 years of experience, eight years of experience is fantastic to have. But when you have 15 years of experience, let's say from uh, 1990, yeah, no, 2004, 2005, things have evolved so much, right? That experience is great. But what's the point of having experience when a person is not willing to evolve, innovate, or find solutions according to the resources that we have now? And that's one thing that I notice, not just millennials, Z generation, or Y generation, or the Z hills, or different generations who are 55 or 60, some of them are willing to find solutions or are passionate about solutions but they are hindered by other people who do not have a growth mindset or a mindset where they really want to empower a human from a very human level from a hardship purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think that, yeah, I do like just see just how, how do we look at like people for, it's like a thing that I always kind of go back to and like thinking about what you're saying is like, how do we value people outside of their productivity? Like, how do we tell people that like, yes, you are deserving of like a humanizing experience, regardless of how like productive you are, right? Like you deserve to be treated well and treated with kindness because you simply exist. Like it's not contingent on your performance. It's not contingent on like what, how many awards you get or those type of things. It's just because, you know, like when did we kind of like deviate from like this perfectionist mindset and like, you know, not analyzing like how that can actually be harmful and like whatever happened to, cause I felt like victim to this too, is like, sometimes your best is just good enough. And like, that's it. You know, if you tried your best and maybe the best you got maybe on a paper was a B plus, like that's it, you know? It doesn't have to always be like this, you know, super perfect thing. And I think that we internalize like a lot of negative expectations. And I think that it can be harmful for ourselves. And I think we just have to be kinder to each other and much kinder, you know, when we have that internal dialogue. Right. You bring up a point about performance, right? And a human, I, I, I always say this to a lot of people I speak or at, at companies that I give a talk and a talk for performance of a human, you have to look at them as a human and not as a robot, 
notice a number that you have hired to do the busy work that you do not wish to do or, or for them to right that's what most companies do create a job position because i as a manager do not wish to do that job or i need assistance to do all the crappy work let's be really really honest let's be very honest how many times does a company really create a a career i say a career not a job because a job becomes really busy work but it does not really give a human the liberty to be creative humans level of creativity is innate it's it's very intrinsic to a human right and and humans are in, inherently born with creativity at what level is creativity stopped in schools, because in schools, teachers tell you, do not do this, do not do that, do not think like this, think like how we think. This is how you should adopt a concept. This is how you should adopt how you have a dialogue. And creativity slowly starts dissipating, right? But how many times do we create careers for people, right? Where yes they have done this task how can we empower them to move to another level that's mm -hmm. what careers should be and a lot of companies are just creating jobs where it really burns out humans and and burn out is a real form and it impacts someone's performance when you want humans to perform really well we have to look into how plants grow how does a plant grow really well you give it nutrients, right? A really good pH level soil, really good pH level of water, sunshine. The environment plays a really huge importance as well. Right. And when you shout at the plants have got feelings too. <laughs> there were experiments where they had two plants where mm -hmm. one plant was, you know, spoken love, loving words and the other plant was just shouted at and the plant which was shouted at died. That's exactly how humans are. You provide a really good environment and you give them the liberty, flexibility, because how a human shows up isn't singular. We need to look at it from an extended lens. How we show up at work, we are actually carrying up a bag of what is going on at home, what is going on in our social, personal life, what is going on with our health. When you have a migraine, you show up to work, you're not going to perform really well, mm -hmm. right? And you're driving in the morning, um, something happens, you, you receive a really bad call that your mom is ill or something happened or, or your house is taken away. That is going to impact you at a very granular level because it right. propels you to lose interest. Someone can't say, oh, you're not performing well or you're angry today. You're not of a good character. How a human it is how we are is is an extension of our life people often say you need to separate work from life but how do you actually separate when you're human and you're carrying every emotion every thought along with you every day right especially when it is such a significant part of your day you know like think about like the people you're interacting with think about you know how you're literally spending your time like the stimulus you receive like you know, to say that like, oh, you have to separate the two, but like the things that make like your neurons fire at work, like, you know, that environment affects how that, like what your reaction is. And like your body doesn't really distinguish. I mean, it can, but 
you know, sometimes like stress is stress regardless of like where it is at. So if you're so programmed to be maybe like stressed in one area, you know, stress is probably going to have a pretty similar effect if you go to, you know, your homes. So I think just to say that like the relationships we build at work are like so, you know, there should be like completely separate to our personal lives. Like there is, you know, I mean, you're a person. Like those things like weave in and they start like, you know, becoming, you know, our relationships change and they're like beyond just like physical walls of your job. Right. No, I, I t totally agree with you. And I want people to understand that the important message that we're trying to give today, not trying to, we are giving today, is regardless of what generation one belongs to, no one is entitled no one is lazy and you can't impose your own thoughts as to they're not being hardworking or they are being lazy uh everyone wants to be spoon fat we need to understand humans from a very granular level we need to have empathy we need to have kindness because the stresses of life has increased tremendously at the same time resources in life has increased tremendously now how do we get stress with the resources is where a lot of people are struggling when i say struggling a lot of people who are not willing to have the group mindset they're not willing to have the heart culture mindset they're not willing to have the human first kind of mindset and this is where we need to bridge that gap to put humans first, to have that heart culture first, where 15 years of experience does not mean someone is good for the job. Performance reviews are irrelevant because we need to look at humans from a very humanistic level. And we need to look at our millennials, at our Y gen, Z gen, from a very human level. Even people who are 55 years old, 60 years old, and not say that, or they are old fashioned people in their 70s are still innovating if it was not for steve jobs or einstein how do we have resources now there are always innovative people at every generation and we need to start understanding as human when i say understand have empathy kindness and have a deeper understanding connect on a human level do not just text and connect and have a phone call and have coffee while you're still being on the phone. Mm -hmm. Any last words on Elise Wagons? Oh, um, I just always, I think like the big thing is like, what I'm trying to like work on is always talking about, like just kind of like knowing that like what I do, if I try my best, like that is good enough. Like I'm like good enough, almost just the way I am, right? We can always like be a work in progress, but it's just like making sure that you appreciate like what you can do and like being able to advocate for yourself and like knowing that you are like worthwhile and your contributions like should be appreciated. Yeah. Everyone is worthy and you are unique. You bring something. So do not be disheartened. I know there are lots of narratives. There are lots of dialogues going on about, you know, how, millennials are entitled or the y gen or the z gen are entitled and at the same time the older generation are irrelevant no one is irrelevant everyone's right. relevant. Everyone's yeah we all offer like 
different perspectives right. that can all like, you know, be discussed like harmoniously. It's just about like having, you know, kind of putting aside like our own egos and like our own bias and making sure that you can like have that dialogue because like the experiences of others and like the new perspectives, like what the older generation has to say is like, obviously important. They have different experiences that we do. They may have like more experiences potentially. And like younger people, like it's fresh thoughts. It's like new ideas. It's like new ways to think it's, you know, you know, seeing like new technologies and always having these new technologies and not like that impacts like the way you work that impacts like the ability, like the, you know, your time, like if you have more time, I mean, you're having more time to think, you know, and right. other things like that. I think it's just like not discounting like other people's perspectives just because they're young or like right. thinking maybe you can bamboozle them or like, you know, I think it's just about like, how do we still empower like younger generations as well? Like, right. yeah. No, that's true. When we talk about empowerment, it needs to happen from a larger lens. You're not just empowering the Y gen or the Z gen or the millennials. You're empowering everyone. Like what only you said, technology liberates us, right? Like taking, working in a factory, let's say years ago, like 50 years ago, people worked in factories they had to have three shifts and you had to work, what, 12, 13 hours because of production, because of the demand. But when mm -hmm. automation, everything is eased out for you, it gives you more time to build skills. It gives you more time to really think, to do, okay, what can I do now, right? You're not losing mm -hmm. your job. You're just shifting your own responsibility and positioning yourself by speaking with your manager or with your leadership team and saying, this is what I want to do. Finally, bring your creativity in. You're not old or you're never old <laughs> to have creativity or to be a child again. When did we right. that? Right. I, I still dance. I still say silly things. I still, I'm just myself. I've, I, I did lose it a little bit because of all the stresses <laughs> nowadays for a large corporation, uh, Amazon, but when I was out of that space, I was allowed, I, not I was allowed, I allowed myself to, to be silly again, to be creative again, to, mm. to, be again, to play again, to think again, to, to speak my mind again. And you'll be amazed as to how much you can grow, how much one can grow if you speak your mind or if you allow your humans at your workplace to speak their mind and be creative. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I just say, uh, yeah, I think we have to like create the environments we want. Yeah. And that we right. do that like with building relationships with each other. So it's really important to, you know, have to count on your peers sometimes because I've been in like right. some super stressful and I'm sure you have the exact same experiences where you're in a very stressful work environment. And like, sometimes all you have, if you're not supported by like people right. who have, you know, different job titles, who have like longer tenure, if you're not supported by them, like, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, lean on other people and, you know, yeah. be able to just like debrief like your day or like be right. able to have like light conversations that aren't centered on work because it can really bog you down. Right, right. Yeah, I agree with you. 
So I know that the time difference is is a lot the large. You are in Wisconsin, and currently I am in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. So <laughs> I really appreciate you jumping on and doing mm. this talk. It was nice to have like this conversation, you know, because like sometimes you can get yourself a little worried about some things and it's just like, oh, when you can go back to a place where you're like, okay, this is like who I am, <laughs> you know, and like, oh, like I did curate like these good relationships and like I, I'm still me. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one day we'll do the moustache dance for our audience. We will. And then I think we'll have uh, one of my trivia teammates, uh, Mila Sh George. Mila showed George like the mustache dance. And he still loves Mila. He'll still talk about Mila sometimes. <laughs> so it's a very memorable dance and people really enjoy it. Yes, it is the dance of motivation, empowerment and acceptance. <laughs> exactly, it is. <laughs> All right. Until next time, folks, we will see you, not see you, but speak with you and meet you online on the next Human Becomes. Cheers, everyone. Yeah.